Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. I'm just glad you're here today, and I have been excited about this. Uh, This is different because normally I get up or someone gets up and we preach. But uh, how many know every once in a while it's it's okay to change things up? Sometimes change things up a little bit, and and still, if the word of God is going forth, then it doesn't matter how it's delivered. If you if you if you're not if you can't handle that, you're you're traditionalist, and that's okay. But traditionalism will put you in a box where you can't get out. And sometimes the Lord likes to do a new thing. So today we're going to do something different. Um, let me do this as we begin. I want to put I want them to put on the the screen the scripture that I used last week. And I want to read it again. So if you can put that up. This, if you weren't here last week, uh, how many of you were not here last week? Let me see your hand if you were not here last week. Okay, so this is going to be good for you because it's going to bring you up to speed. Let's, let me just read this text. Now it happened, this is from 1 Samuel chapter 30, and you're welcome to turn there. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. And so David his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Notice this. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. And I can't see the words there, but something man, for every man, uh, for his sons and daughters. But that's, that's, the, that's the key there. Every man for his sons and daughters. Notice that. People were grieved for their sons and their daughters. Why? Because they had been pulled out of the homes and been taken captive by a force that cared nothing for them. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I'll look over here since I can see better. Then David said to Abiathar, Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord. He prayed saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. That's powerful. You'll cry when your kids are gone. You'll cry when the world is pulling your kids and they're buying into the junk of this world. But I told you last week, we have to get a warrior spirit. We've got to do like David. We've got to pray. And we have got to say, I'm not giving up on my child. We've got to say, devil, you're not going to have my children. We can't give up. And so David and his men said, we're going after him. And they recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. I love this. Sons or daughters. They didn't lose any of their children. Spoil or anything which they had taken from them. I love this. David recovered all. And I know the power of God is greater than the power of this world. The power of God is greater than the forces of hell that are attacking and assailing the church. 
And if you don't think the powers of hell are attacking and assailing the church, you are living in a bubble. We are under an onslaught like we have never seen, and it has been ramped up recently. And in 2022, it is being ramped up to a level that I have never seen in my life. And when libraries are bringing in drag queens and inviting parents to bring their children specifically so that the drag queen can read children's books and then twerk and jerk and put on a show and parents think that that's okay, we are living in a corrupt, perverted, immoral society. And when school systems are, are saying we're permitting teachers to bring in books that promote and advocate the LGBTQ plus ideology and lifestyle and encouraging the reading of that, okay, we're having a problem in our school systems. Now, I don't know that that's happening in South Carolina. I haven't heard that, but it's happening in other places. And I encouraged last week, if there's ever a time for our Christian teachers and Christian administrators to rise up and shine the light and be the salt to all the teachers and administrators, now is your time. Because there is an onslaught that is happening. I was watching on, on Twitter, and I would never show this in a church, but there was a parent who got up at a local school board, and I don't remember exactly where it's at. I wish I had marked it. Reading from one of these books that are in the, in the elementary school, it, is, it was about homosexuals, and it was the most perverted junk. I would never dare bring that into this holy sanctuary. It would be embarrassing, and they're giving access to little children. What in the world has happened to people? And when you are allowing, when parents are saying, we're going to, we're just going to let our child grow up and determine what their gender is. That's not their job. That's your job, and that's God's job. There are only two genders. I showed this last week, male and female. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's not just about biology, but it is about the reflection of the image of God. For us, this is more than a biological matter. This is a theological matter. I got it. My wife said, be careful. She said, honey, you have an edge to you right now. It's probably because I'm on crutches. And I can't hunt, and I can't fish, and I can't play golf. But I think I have a little bit of edge on me because I am a man of God who is committed to the Word of God and the righteousness of God, and I am, I am distressed and perturbed and, to be honest, a little ticked off by the environment that our children in America and our children in church are being exposed to and having to grow up in. And so we're in a warfare, and it's ramped up in 2022. You're missing it if you're not seeing it. It's happening. So Pastor Amy has been at a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, two weeks ago. She and her husband and, and several members of her team. And so she came back Monday this week, and we had staff meeting as we normally do. And usually the first thing we do is we evaluate. I'm a big evaluator. Anything we do, I'm an evaluator. Only things that are evaluated get better. And so normally we evaluate the early morning service, and then we have several other things we cover in that usually hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half meeting. 
And but this time I said, Pastor Amy, you've been in this conference. I said, tell us, tell us about the conference. And Amy, I'm going to quote you, and then we're going to let you talk. I said, what was it like? What did you learn? And her words to me and to our staff was, it was exciting and terrifying. I said, okay, you've, you've piqued our interest. What was so exciting and terrifying? And for 20 minutes, easy. She went and just popped stuff for 20 minutes, and the rest of us sat in that room enthralled. And when she finished, I said, do you want to preach Sunday? She said, no. So we talked a little bit more, and I thought, how can I preach everything she just gave me? And I thought, I'm not going to do that. And that's when the idea hit me. Why don't I get up with her on this stage, and we're going to sit in these very comfortable swivel chairs. And I said, I'm going to let you share with them. So, Amy... Do what you did Monday. Why was that conference both exciting and terrifying? Um, I'm going to start with the terrifying because I want to end on the high note. We're going to end on the excitement of it. Um, I'm going to throw a lot of statistics and a lot of information at you today. But I think that we are um, guilty as a church and sometimes as parents, especially in the Bible Belt, of putting our head in the sand and not realizing what's going on around us. So I want to share a couple of things with you. There's an incredible book out. It's called Resilient, and it is by um, Valerie Bell. And this lady is um, the president of Awana. How many of you remember Awana when you were young? And so um, she came out with this incredible book, and it is addressing what our kids are facing and what the future looks like for our kids. So I want to give you some statistics. Um, In 2011, there were 59% dropout of young adults from churches. In 2019, that number is now 64%. So what we're seeing is we're seeing two-thirds in the U.S. of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in church, who say that they were active as a child and teen, and they have now withdrawn from the church. So one of the things that the church is facing in the future is the retention. We have somewhere along the way, we have missed the opportunity to to help our kids, our teens, to have an intimate, true, genuine relationship with Christ. And so one of the statements was made, if our young people are going to thrive in digital Babylon, they have to move beyond familiarity with Jesus to a place of intimacy. And let me say this, you talk about that, but our children right now due to COVID and technology are probably the most socially challenged they've ever been. So how are they going to know about the intimacy that they can have, the relationship that they can have with Christ? Guys, that's where we come in. We have to lead by example. We have to show them what it means to live for Jesus. The other thing that the church is facing is, um, and I thought this was an interesting thing that she brought up. How many of you go to the doctor and you always have to check that box of your religious preference? 
you know, that box. And so there's people that check them because, you know, they went to church at Christmas, and so now they're a church attender, that kind of thing. But here's what's happening. The numbers are increasing, and there are now more people than ever that check that box as none. Not only are the the numbers increasing, but these are influential people. These are people that are making a a bold statement in our society. And they are, and let me interject here, and they are church people. Yes. So this isn't like somebody who's never come to church and they're putting none. These are church people. These are are kids that have that age group that she's talking about who have been children and youth in church, but but they have dropped out and said, uh, yeah, I went to high praises or I went to wherever, but no, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with anybody. There's, there's, a, there's a serious issue that's happening there with that age group. Right. And so this is what we have to ask. We have to consider both the moment we're in, what are we going to do for our kids right now? Because this is the part. What is the mission that we're on? So right now is when we need to be preparing our kids. Now, this is one of the statistics that it it absolutely blew our minds. By 2050, now think about your grandchildren. By 2050, they're going to be adults, okay? By 2050, our now kids, then adults, will be living in an anti-Christian society. Did you hear what I said? Not post anti-Christian society. The scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. We've all heard that scripture, haven't we? You've probably quoted that scripture. And so what does that mean? How do we train these kids? Um, There was a term, and I love this term, it's called spiritual resilience. I want to tell you what spiritual resilience is. It's a quality that describes the spiritual elasticity of a child or adult. The resistant strength to bend and flex, but not to break against the weight of the culture. Resilience is learned. It's not automatic. It comes through discipline and identity in Christ. So our goal what is our goal? What, what do we want for our kids? We want our kids to love and to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. It's that simple. That's what we want. If you think about the past decades, I know in our time, the church was a part of mainstream. We were important. The Bible was revered. We were, we were part, we were considered. Jesus was a, an important historical figure and even if people disagreed with you or even if they didn't go to church they didn't give you a hard time about that so what's happening now we're in a post-christian culture and things that are still important are justice love freedom redemption restoration people still want all that they want meaning joy and happiness but they no longer look to the Christian faith for that. And the thing about that is, is sometimes they're even redefining what those words mean. 
So what's happening is our kids are being exposed to hyper-individualism. Y'all ever heard of hyper-individualism? We had to look it up. We were just blown away. What is hyper-individualism? Let me tell you what it is. It's where you worry about self and you take little regard to society or those around you. So you're going to hear phrases like, you be you. You already heard that? You be you. My body, my choice. You're going to hear phrases where they say, you are enough. So listen, this is, this is in her book in 2019, this is what she gave. It has even changed since then. Since a person's worldview is largely set by age 13. That was in 2019. They're now saying in 2020 that a child's worldview is developed between age 8 and 13. Did you hear me? 8 and 13. We no longer have a youth crisis in our church. We have a kids ministry crisis in our church. Things have shifted so fast. What are we seeing as the cause of this crisis? And it's funny that I'm fixing to mention this as I sit here with it. But technology. Technology. In 2018, a Nielsen report said adults spend 11 hours on media. And you say, there's no way. But think about how often you access that at work. That's a day. How, yeah, it's a day. 11 hours a day. A day. 11 hours a day. Yeah. And, and a lot of you say, well, I can't live without technology. We've become very dependent on technology. Now, listen about your kids. They say from ages 0 to 8, your child spends an average of 50 minutes a day on technology. That doesn't sound too bad. It jumps from ages 8 to 12. Remember when I said children develop their worldview? 8 to 13, it jumps to 6 hours a day. By the time they're a teenager, it jumps to 9 hours a day. Here's the question. Do, you, do we see a problem? Do we see who is leading this in our children, who's, who's directing our kids? Research says that there has been a significant decline after 2012, in our teenagers' psychological well-being. Secular venues like YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, these are now the places that our kids go for advice on how to behave, how to dress, and how they should think. And Amy, I, I talked about this last week in the, in the message that I preach that because of technology, we're seeing mental health issues, yes. uh, the suicide rate, even among children, girls particularly. Yes. I, was, I was doing some studying this week again for preparation today. It's terrifying for girls. The suicide rate is going up. And, it, and a lot of it has to do with technology. Um, there was a statement that we made in the staff meeting. I want to pause here. The, the Roman Catholic Church has said for decades, give us a child until the age that he is five and he will be a Catholic for life. 
and their understanding was, and they, and they have catechism. So if any of you have a Catholic background, you understand what I'm talking about. We don't do this very much in Protestantism at all. But you go through a catechism. It's an indoctrination. And they say, if you'll give us a child at the age of five, they'll be a Catholic for the rest of their life. What's happening is these forces that are using technology are saying, if we can get to your child in the early years, and brothers and sisters, now listen, we're not up here flapping our gums to waste your time. We're trying to warn you. The watchman is on the wall this morning. The watchmen are on the wall. Pastor Chris and Pastor Amy are up on the wall. And they're wanting to indoctrinate our children, our teenagers. And it's happening. You think we're just up here throwing out statistics. I'm, I'm dealing with parents in this church that are frustrated and frightened because they're Teenage children are getting indoctrinated and dealing with emotions and feelings and thoughts with issues that they should not be dealing with. I cannot disclose what they are because they're, they're too confidential and I don't want to tell what they are, but you would be shocked. It's happening right here in Anderson. It's happening in the upstate. It's happening in high praises. Our kids, our children that we love, that, we're, we're, that God has given us, that we are to protect are facing things. And, and, and so we're saying we've got to do something on our end, you as the parents primarily, the church secondarily, that we've got to step up our game and do what we can to try to combat that. And one of the things we mentioned, Amy, about technology was that when you, when you stay on, on, on a, a, an electronic device all the time, and you're not interacting with other kids, you're not interacting with your family members, other people, that is socially unhealthy. In your social development, that, is, that will lead to dysfunction rather than, than function. And so, and so it is important. And so one of the things you, know, you put in your notes we're talking about, I just want to hit this real quick because I know we're, we want to make the most of our time, that this will go by fast. But that, Amy, we talked about, I said this in staff meeting Monday, I, I think I mentioned it last Sunday, just to address it real quick. This is where there, not only is there a spiritual development that happens in church, there is a social development that happens in church. So with our children and teenagers, we need, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to set it up, you tee it out. Okay. So I'll put it up on the tee, you knock it out with a driver. The, our parents, I'm going to, you know, the guy that says things straight from the hip, our parents and then the grandparents who are responsible for the parents of the kids, they got to get their kids to church, don't they? They need to get their kids to, to kids' church. So you need to bring your teenagers on Sunday morning to thrive, the older teens on Wednesday night, because they need to be connecting, first of all, for their social development, second of all, for their spiritual development. Bad company corrupts character. Good company will build character. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> Address that, Amy. Well, one of the things that technology is bringing um, to our kids is a loss of community. Our kids no longer have community. And the one thing that we all want is to belong somewhere. Yes. The one thing we want is to belong somewhere. And so what's happening is our kids are now socially awkward. They no longer have the ability to, to make friends, to to do things that was very simple for a lot of us. Um, the other thing is they're on an information overload. 
They're getting information all the time. They know things that we didn't know about until we were adults. And, and so we've got to be careful and make sure that we are helping our kids to guard their hearts and their minds. They've got to be able to, to have something to believe in and to believe in, in Christ. And listen, we combat that with God's word. That's how we help our kids. The other thing that they're facing is um, our kids have big emotions now. Have you noticed that? They deal with anxiety. They deal with fear. They deal with depression. You've touched on all of that. There was an article in um, 2000 that said, and I think 2000, 22 years ago, that said that the kids today have the same level of anxiety as a child in a psychiatric ward from 1950. Our kids are at an all-time high for anxiety. And so here's the thing. We're, we're seeing a church decline. Well, before you go there, Amy, and, and I got her notes. I have her notes, so I'm able to. The, you, you all know I'm, I'm pragmatic to a fault, Okay, and I've raised two sons. Thank God they live for Jesus. Their wives live for Jesus. They're involved in this church. Pastor Evan is our full-time student pastor. I now have four grandsons and, and Lord willing, a fifth, a granddaughter. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with her, but we'll figure it out. Uh, but, but here's the thing. So just a moment of practicality. Is this Okay. They're playing video games. Now, remember, I raised boys, okay? So we bought PlayStations. We bought Xboxes, okay? So I understand. I bought the video games. I've spent more time at GameStop spending money. Okay, now they've got Gold Pass, and you can get it all right there. You don't even listen to me. They're, they're spending hours on a video game, okay? They don't watch much TV anymore, but they might be watching some. They're watching a lot of YouTube, okay, a lot of TikTok, that's the big thing. Somebody said, I don't even know what TikTok is. Better go find out. Okay? So hours doing this. Listen, am I telling you to stop that? No. Here's two things I want to say to you with as much spiritual authority as I carry as your shepherd. One, monitor it. Matter of fact, three things. Monitor it. Two, restrict it. And it doesn't matter if they pitch a fit. So if you pitch too much of it, I'll take your phone and you won't have access to anything. They'll straighten up real quick. But here's the third thing. You've got to balance it. Listen to me now. Are you walking in? First of all, do they have a Bible? Do they have a Bible? Second of all, are you helping them? And you've got to do this. This, I, this is so practical. I don't know how to get any more practical. You've got to help them establish a discipline. For me, my mom and dad taught me before you go to bed, while you're sitting up in the bed, before you turn over and flip that lamp off, there's a Bible that was right there on my nightstand, and the, and the, and the, and the discipline was pick it up and you don't go to sleep until you read one chapter before you go to bed. And that way I read the Bible every day, and that discipline was established by there is power in the Word of God. It is not just a book. It is the Word of a living, divine God who is the only God, the true God. 
And there is a power inherent in that. That power created worlds. That word created man. It created worlds. So you want your children, you want to make sure that you don't want them going a week without me. You say, well, wonder what's happening. We're not getting our kids. You, you have to monitor it. You have to walk in their room every night. I'm, listen, I'm trying to be practical. You have to say, did you read your Bible today? No. Oh, pick it up. Read it before you go to bed. And if you'll structure them, then eventually they'll get to where they just, it's like brushing your teeth. or they, They'll pick it up and they'll read it every night. When I lived in Detroit, Michigan, I, I experienced some of this because of the culture of the of, of, of up north in an inter, in the Detroit. It's totally different from down here. And I told them in the tenth when I was ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, I went. I listened. I heard the worst vulgarity of my life every day from ten, eleven, and twelve year olds, like sailors. I could tell you stories, and I'm talking about they cuss like sailors all day long. 10, 11, middle schoolers. And then I'd get home, and all that was in my head, and I'm trying to live for Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm not making this up. I've told this for years. And every night I'd get my Bible and my head full of that junk, and I'd read the Word of God. And you know how the Bible says that the, the, there's the washing of the regeneration of the Word, and there's a washing? I would read the Bible, Amy, and it was like it would wash all that out of my brain. And I'd go to bed that night and then have to get up and face it. If I had not read that word every day, there would have been a compounding, a compilation of that over time. Listen, we have got to start doing the simple, practical thing. So talk about the problem with not attending church. Go ahead and hit it. Go ahead and hit it. So um, statistics show our church children. Now help me. Our church children are our members our tithe, our giving, families. These are our church family. Are now attending church 1.7 times a month. So if you give us an hour and a half on a Sunday morning with your child and you do the math of that, we have your child approximately 24 hours in church for one year. 24 hours. And when you compare that to screen time, they're getting more screen time than they are with us in church. 1.7. There's a gentleman by the name of Shane Pruitt, and he has this, he calls it the four-generation faith. And I want you to think about this. Parents that don't make church a high priority for their kids raise children who are, have you ever heard the term Christers? They come on Christmas and Easter. Christers. They raise the children that make church an even less priority. And guess what they raise? By that third generation, you have kids that don't make church a priority. And here's the scary part. By that fourth generation, you have children that have no concept of who God is. No concept. I love the fact that we have incredible parents. We have incredible grandparents that bring their kids to church. 
Are you aware that there are over 5 million grandparents that are raising their grandkids right now? And we have grandparents that they keep their kids on Saturday night so that they can bring those grandbabies to church on Sunday morning because they don't want to see the generational fade in their family. It is important that you bring your kids to church. Uh, you're just saying that because you're the children's pastor. I am the children's pastor, and we love your baby. And it is important that they hear about God. It is important that they hear scripture. It is important that they sit in a room of their peers and they learn about God. This is, um, you know, to me the statistics were terrifying. I'm just going to be truthful. The fact that we're 28 years potentially away from being an anti-Christian society. But here's the exciting part. Are you ready? There are things we can do. There are things we should be doing. Think about this. If you as a parent or a grandparent, you bring your child to church every single Sunday from birth to fifth grade. So we're talking approximately 12 years. We're going to have your kids approximately 600 to 625 hours. It's a lot better than 24, right? But listen to this. This is the part. If you are a parent and you spend five hours a day with your kids, five hours, a lot of you go, boy, I spend a whole lot more than five hours a day with my kids. Listen, five hours a day with your kids. In one year, you have spent 1,835 plus, plus hours with your child. So let me ask, who has the greatest impact? The parents, the parents do, the parents do. And so a lot of times we think that um, we make it difficult to disciple our kids. We think that that's something, we're, we live busy lives. We don't have time to, to sit down and, and do a devotional time. We don't have time to do these things. There's a scripture, it's Deuteronomy 6, and it's um, verse 5 is the first one. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we've all heard that. But my question is, have you heard 6 through 9? Listen to this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Our kids don't need a Sunday morning God or a family devotional God. They need a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week God. Now that's good right there. That's what, that's it. Amy, we were, we were talking on Monday, you know, I, and this has been on my mind so, so heavily, but we try to figure out what is discipleship. Discipleship is the mission of the church. The Great Commission is the mission of the church, and discipleship in, a, in its very fundamental form has two parts. You follow Jesus and you follow his teaching. 
It's not enough just to say I'm a follower of Christ. You have to do what he says. You have to follow his teaching. That's, that's our goal. We need to get our children to follow Christ, to be, to be saved, our teenagers to be saved. But then not only follow Christ, but follow his teachings. So, Amy, with time running out, let's just kind of hit these last things. You talked about the ABC of family discipleship. Will you just touch on that real quick? Um, the ABCs of family discipleship was a class that I attended, and the gentleman that taught the class has three children under the age of four. If he can do it, anybody can do it, okay? <laughs> so uh, it's simple. A is your action. So think about it. What are you saying to your kids when they're watching you, and they are watching, by the way? The things you do, the words you speak, and the attitudes you express. B is your budget. We're all tight with our money. Our kids are watching that. What you spend money on, what you save money on, what you withhold money from. And the next one is C. This is the big one. Your calendar. The plans you make, the time you spend, and the moments you avoid. Your kids are watching all of that. And here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, you're already discipling your children with those three things, your action, your budget, and your calendar. The question is, what are you pointing them to? I'm going to say it. You didn't say it. You're not going to say it. It's not in your notes. But but what was it you said about what the paying money for one thing? Go ahead. Will you say it? I'll say it. Go ahead. So um, (laughs) so the, the thing is, is, now think about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on a couple of things. Don't don't get mad at me, Pastor. I'm not mad. But we stay up for those Clemson games late. And so on Sunday morning we say, Well, that was a good game, but man, I'm tired. I'm tired to go to church. Be a good day to sleep in. Do you know that Sunday is now considered a second Saturday? Right. That's what a lot of people do. And so what did you just say to your child? That Clemson game was important, but church is not quite that important. You're not going to like that, but that's the truth. Because you it do is. it enough, and that's what they learn. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like this. You can go find another church, another preacher, and they can tickle your, tickle your ears. But we're trying to help y'all. Okay? Because there is a saying that I use all the time, and I said it in the staff meeting. More things are caught than they are taught. Why, why is my grown boy acting that way? Because he caught it. It's called learned behavior. So we can't just say, do as I say, not as I do, but we have to model it. I'm tired. Get up. We can stay up for that game. We can go to church. You can Amen. take a nap this afternoon. Praise God. Hallelujah. So your money, here's the one he wants you to hear. We're going to sports camp this summer. We're going to do dance camp. Church camp rolls around and suddenly we can't afford it. I'm sorry, we don't have the money to send you to that youth conference. Because we spent it sending you to the sports camp, to the dance camp, the cheer camp. Listen, I'm not knocking those things, but I'm asking, where's your priority? 
My son played baseball for T.L. Hannah. He played in a travel team. And there were many Wednesday nights when he came to church wearing his ball uniform. Because when he got done, I said, you're going to church. You're going to thrive. And he walked in with taking his cleats off, putting tennis shoes on with a dirty, filthy ball uniform. I said, you're going to church. You're going to learn. You're going to go to church. Because we're not going to teach you that baseball is more important than, than church. You understand what I'm teaching you? So I had a son that played. I know all about the weekends and travel and all that. There's a lot of times I didn't get to go because I had to be here with you all. And Leah would go. So we understand that. And it invested in his co- I understand all that. See, I'm not negative. He went on to play NCAA Division I baseball. It was great. Got scholarships, helped pay for college. But the point is you have to combat that and say this is, this is temporary. Okay? But church the church of the heaven and earth will pass away, but there's one thing that's going to last throughout all eternity, and that's the church of the living God. Church of the living God is an unshakable kingdom. We're part of an unshakable kingdom. Amy, how are we going to wrap this up? Well, I'm going to give you some practical tips. I think this was um, a big takeaway for me. In the scripture, it, it makes it very clear when we read in Deuteronomy, the time that you can be discipling your child, is probably um, some of the easiest times in your car ride. Do you talk to your kids about Jesus? Do you pray with your kids on the way to school? Hey, what are you nervous about today? You know what? Let mom pray for you to school about that. Um, at meal times, do you ask your kids how their days gone? What what's happened today in your life? Share with me. And at bedtime, I know I hear a lot of parents parents talk about anxiety and the trouble that their kids have sleeping now. And I wonder if we would end their evening on a God note, what a difference that would make in their lives. And so it's very practical. This doesn't, this isn't hard. It's just a matter of you being involved, putting the priorities in place and talking to your kids about Jesus, talking to your kids about what it means to be a Christian, to be a true follower of Christ. And I share all that. But here's the thing. I had a parent ask me not long ago, what in the world are our kids in for? And my response was, what do you mean? The same God that took care of all of us is the same God that will take care of our kids. For such a time as this, our kids will be equipped. They will be prepared. God has a plan and a purpose for them. And he has got their back. There is nothing too big for our kids. We just have to follow his lead, and we just have to allow God to use us to help our kids grow Jesus. You're still their parent, or if it's a grandparent or whoever it is that's taking care of that child, you're the most important person in their life. You're the most influential person in their life. Don't be intimidated. Don't let the world raise your child. Don't let the world be the one to get to tell your child what they believe and they don't believe. I told you last week, you come back with the the word of the Lord. And and there is power in this word. And, And they may say, well, I don't believe that. You say, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's truth. You can say, I don't believe two plus two equals four till you're blue in the face. But it doesn't change the fact that two plus two is always going to make four. And so you say, this is 
the word of God. This is the source of moral truth as well as overall truth. This is the source. This is what you want to don't listen to the world. We we stay and we're gonna have to teach our kids to be resilient. We're gonna have to teach our kids to learn how to take licks. Do you know what that means to take licks? They have to teach them. You're gonna get made fun of. You're gonna be called intolerant. You're gonna they're gonna call call you names. You may lose some friends. But we have to teach you there are some things worth suffering for. There are some things worth taking licks for. And this is one of them. And, and you said, do I have to teach my child that? Yes, if they're going to survive. If teach them to fight, but not as the world fights. We, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We, have to war, we don't war the way the world wars, world wars. We have to teach them to stand in the truth of God. And if people say anything... You, you say you learn how to stand in that. That's why the church is important because you don't want to stand alone. You want them to be able to come to church. with. That's the power of the church is when you've battled the world all week, you come to church. And there are people here who say, you know what, I've been right there with you. But when we come together, we realize we're the, we're the church of the living God, the body of Christ, the redeemed, the born again, the sanctified, the spirit-filled, the people of God on mission. And we're not holed up, but we are the light and we are the salt. We want to teach our children to be the light and the salt. And say, so you have more influence than what you know. I told you last week, this world has gone crazy. This transgenderism and homosexuality. And listen, adultery, lying, cheating, stealing is all sin. But let me tell you what sin does. Sin damages and destroys. And people who think they're on top of it, all of a sudden it all flips on them. And their world comes crashing down. And they are miserable. They're, they're depressed. Their life is a wreck. Who do you think they're going to come running to? It's not because we're perfect. It's not because we're better. It's because we're Jesus people. And it's because we have a rock and we're standing on the rock and we're teaching our children to stand on the rock. And when the world is running in, 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 into, into a buzzsaw and their life is turned upside down and, and, and it's damaging them, they're going to come running to us saying, will you pray for me? Can you help me? And that's where we got to say, you, you better believe it. There's an answer. His name is Jesus. And all you got to do is talk to him, pray, and he can take what's wrong and make it right. And we are still the force of this world. But brothers and sisters, we cannot be passive any longer. Pa parent your kids. Parent your gra grandparent, your kids, your children, your, your teenagers. It's, listen, it's e it can be easier with the children. When your teenagers come along, it's tough. It's tough to be a parent to a teenager. They talk back. They'll wear you down. All the parents of teenagers said amen. They'll wear you down. And then the easy thing to do is to give in, but you can't give in. This is where you have to be resilient yourself and say, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not watching that. No, you're not hanging out with those kids. No, you can't go to that event. All my friends are. Well, that's fine. I'm, I don't parent them, but I parent you. And you'll appreciate this. I told my boys, nothing good happens after 11 o'clock at night. It's those things you just got to teach them, okay, and just keep saying it. And you don't think it's going through, but they're learning it. They're learning it, and that's why more things are caught than taught. You're going to laugh at this. But Evan and Gabe, we get in the car, and there are things I say. It, they're all the dad lines. Looks like, looks like rain today, but we need the rain. Lake's down. The mountains are out. Dad sings, right? All these years now, those two guys have been with me. They, they mock me. We'll start out. You, know, you can see the mountains here at the church. They say, well, the mountains are out. 
We'll cut through Brown Road because we always go to staff lunch. Well, the lake's down. And I don't say a word. I just keep driving and grinning. And every once in a while, I'll say, that's fine. Evidently, it's working. You're learning them. <laughs> More things are caught than what are we going to let our kids catch? I want you to stand with me while I stay seated. Did you enjoy this? Has this edified you? That's what we wanted. I'd like to do like last Sunday and everybody in this house come to the come to the altar real quick. We're not through with this service. Come on, come join us down here. Everybody in the house, we need to pray again. We're going to pray for our children. We're going to pray for our grandchildren. We cannot pray for them enough. We've got to cover our kids. And we need to pray for ourselves. I, this morning, I want parents and grandparents, I want you to pray for you. And if you're single or you're married, you don't have children, this would be a good time to say, Lord, still let me be a light. Help me to be influential. Might get married one day. Might have children one day. God, help me now to learn these things so that I can be a positive force. Come on, just come to the front. Come quickly. There's a lot of people coming. Come all the way to the front if you would. Pastor Billy, play softly, please. I just, I, I just don't like a defeatist mindset. I've been fighting one lately. I'm a positive person. I am so positive. Ask my wife in the morning. She, I drive her nuts because she has to get up slow, and I bounce out of bed just, ah. She just goes, shh, be quiet. And I'm just positive, and I, I try to see the good in people. Sometimes to a fault, it gets me in trouble. And I'm very, but I'll be honest, I've been fighting a defeatist, fatalist spirit lately and if the devil can get that on us he's won because we'll throw in the towel we'll say well we, it's just too big it's too much it's too it's too powerful we can't we can't fight google we can't fight facebook we can't fight tiktok we can't fight instagram we can't fight we can't fight it we can't fight youtube we can't fight it past it oh yes you can doesn't matter how big and how strong. I just keep reading these stories in the Bible where overwhelming forces with overwhelming odds came against the little children of Israel, and God would just step in and give them. One angel killed 185,000 in one night. Don't tell me God doesn't have the power. He has the power. But, but we have to step up and watch over our kids, be the watchman over our kids. They may get mad at you. They're going to fuss at you. They're going to pitch a fit. Just let them. They've been doing that since they were babies. It's not the first time. Just let them do it. And say, you don't understand now, but one day you will. One day you'll appreciate it. I can't tell you the number of grown people I've said that said, my daddy whipped me and my mama was tough, but I'm so glad they did it now. I'm glad now, now that I'm adult. I'm a glad. See, they don't know. That's your responsibility. Come on, for the next however long, will you just intercede for your children, your grandchildren? If you're not, if you don't have kids, will you intercede for the kids of our church? And then parents, will you pray, grandparents, Lord, help me. Enable me, God. Help me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we did this last week. We're doing it again this week. We cannot intercede. We cannot pray about this enough. I thank you, Lord, for our parents, and I thank you for our children and our teenagers in this church. You have blessed this church. 
I thank you for our young adults, and yet, God, there are forces of hell that are fighting. I preached that last week. But, God, we are more than conquerors. And even if our children or grandchildren are influenced by this, our teenagers, God, we know that just like David and the army at Ziklag, God, we can recover all that's lost. That greater is he that is in me than he that is within the world. That there is more with us than there are with them. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, will you help every parent? Will you help every grandparent, every guardian, God? Will you help our children, God, and our grandchildren, our, teen, our children, our teenagers? God, help them, Lord, to stand strong and be equipped. And by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, be able to stand every day against these things that come against them and to be able to discern between right and wrong and, and what is bad and what is good and to be able to say, I'm always going to gravitate to the good. Help us to teach our children, God, to do the things. Help us not to neglect what we need to do in raising our children and grandchildren to be that influence, to speak up for what is right, to counter against what is wrong to teach them about the balance of grace and truth like I preached last week, that God, we always stand for truth, but we can always walk in grace and love. We can stand against sin, but love the sinner and help us to teach our children how to be like Jesus and to follow Jesus and follow his teachings. I pray for Pastor Amy. I pray for Pastor Evan, God, and their teams as they do everything they can to help and to edify our children and our, and our students. And God, I know we didn't bring this up, but I'm going to say it through prayer, Lord. I know they have made a commitment that, Lord, they are going to do more than ever to help our parents and equip our parents more than ever before so that they can be equipped to raise their children and in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So God, we thank you for victory and we thank you for your power and we thank you for how you're going to touch our parents. You're going to use the church to be, to be a force to be reckoned with against this culture. We are anti-countercultural, God, because we know a Lord who is greater and a Savior who is greater. So thank you, God. Thank you for this opportunity. God, the challenges of the world are the greatest opportunities for the church. Hallelujah. So help us, God, to step up and take advantage of these opportunities and shine the light and be the salt and speak the truth in love. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody lift your hands and just praise him in this house. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let the anointing of God rest upon you right now. Let the anointing of God flow through you right now. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.